apparent to anybody but God. All created things share a dependence upon God for their existence according to their purpose. I don't care if it's a rock. It doesn't exist unless God decides it's going to exist. But now there are different levels. Like a rock doesn't have any awareness of God. It just exists because God made it and it's there. The brute beasts, they they have a dependence upon God, but it's it's a different dependence than a rock. And mankind has a dependence on God. And of of whom more is given, more is required. So when we talk about man, we're talking about the ultimate debt to God so far as our purpose uh, is revealed. Now, what is the revealed purpose of man from the beginning? We go to Genesis 1, 26 and 27 for that answer. It says, And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over the cattle and over all the earth and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. Remember, he called their name Adam. So when we talk about man, as I'm using it here, we, unless it's addressed specifically by name to a particular person, we're talking about mankind. <clears throat> now, just as we see the Father, when we see the Son, and as he has put all things, he, God, has put all things under the Son, save only himself, he's given him all power and authority, and he's committed judgment under the sun because he's also the son of man. We, we see here from the beginning of what God is showing. Remember, we're the Im, in the image of God. That means not, we're not here to show ourselves. We were made so that other entities and one another can see God. Jesus came to show us the Father. Now, Jesus, we were made in the image of God, and we were given. Now, Jesus has been given all dominion and authority and power and judgment and everything except for God himself is accepted. Man was given dominion to exercise the image of God over his creation, the natural creation. Man's life is unique from all other of the creation from the beginning because it wasn't commanded. Remember, he formed man. And then man became a living being when God breathed the breath of life into him. And the reference for that is Genesis 2 and verse 7. Where it is written, and the Lord God formed man of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and man became a living soul. That's when man became man, yeah. is when God actually breathed life. God's life, he breathed that into man. Every observation of man 
was to be an accurate representation of God, the most precise and discernible uh, representation of all his creation. In other words, when you looked at Adam, you should see a more accurate and precise representation of God than if you looked at any of the other creation below him. You you can see things, and we do that, but it's because we've been given discernment. We're looking back on that. We see God. I'm sure Adam saw God in all of his creation. He recognized it because it was a work of God, and there was no enmity between Adam and God at that time. So he could think freely uh, according to his measure and the amount that of, uh, of intelligence and, and knowledge that God had imparted to him, he could think freely in those areas without distraction or hindrance. Uh, I think of when God <clears throat> made all of the animals to pass before him. And it doesn't say that it took him a hundred years to think up all the names. It's as though when he saw that creature, he could see what God was doing in that creature, and he gave it a name suitable, one that fit its nature or its character, its purpose. Whenever you saw a turtle, that name meant something that that encompassed like what a turtle was type of a thing. So, again, man was supposed, uh, or that's what he was made. Uh, as far as, as Adam could go before the fall, that's what you saw. You saw what God was doing. When Adam dressed the garden, he saw God's care for his creation. When Adam and Eve had any kind of interaction, you saw the unity that existed in the Godhead. It just, you saw God. Not to the extent we see him now. The revelation of Adam is not to be compared with the revelation that God has given of himself since then. But this was the beginning. This domain man made to have dominion, this dominion over every living thing. See that? There's not like a a living creature that by nature is subject to man. No. Yeah. Well, yeah. That was a gigantic... That was a gigantic... Dispensation of power. Yeah. Amen. Over the whole creation. Every living creature. Uh-huh. But see, that was that was a, a a foreshadowing of God as having dominion over everything. That's right. It was it was you can't whenever God when God made man in his image, this is not a throwaway. God invested himself in in this. And it was for the purpose, we can see the extent of that investment, is not just that man was just, he made him and, and, and then they were just so wonderful. He made, he sees himself in mankind. Yeah. And so it's his own self It's a different, we're not told of any other created being that was formed and been given life in the same manner. Now, we can't speak authoritatively because it's not revealed to us and we don't want to go there. We don't need to know that or God would have told us. But we do know 
that God gave something personally of himself to this creature that he did not give to any of the rest of the created beings. Yeah. Did you know Daniel, was revealed to Daniel that was going to come a time when the saints would take the kingdom. Yes. And the fullness of the kingdom would be given over to the saints. So that'll be the that'll be the ultimate fulfillment of what was stated back there in, in Genesis. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Made man to reign. Now that we've had this long period of time that's demonstrated a lot of other things about God, but we're going to end up for the original purpose. That's right. Yep. Man was the expression of God designed for purposes both terrestrial and eternal. Adam was perfect in the day that he was created insofar as being made good. When he made man, he was very good. But he was not complete according to God's ultimate and eternal purpose. Adam, if he had been, he'd have had what we have. And we are still waiting for the the putting away of hindering things and, and obscurities and and uh, handicaps of un, you know lack of understanding. But still, what we have in in Christ is it's not to be compared. In fact, uh, we got to get rid of what we had from Adam now because it it's not suitable for the purposes of a God at all. Now, for this eternal purpose, for us to be, uh, to fulfill that purpose that God had in creating mankind, our need is to know God. We cannot fulfill that purpose unless we know God. That's right. That's right. Adam did not know this nor the righteousness of God, or he would have resisted temptation. He had been as Christ, who whenever the devil came and, and tempted him, he found nothing in him. But he found something in Adam. And so he, he suffered corruption. Now, just because that happened, I'm pretty confident, this is me, but I'm pretty confident that Adam nor Eve understood the uh, the extent and the brevity of what had just happened. Now, they had some immediate effects. They were cast out of the garden. They were told, Adam was, was told, the earth isn't going to yield its fruit to you easily anymore. There's that loss of dominion. You're going you're gonna to eat by the sweat of your brow. You're going to have to work for it. It's not going to just be there for you. And Eve was told that she was going to have pain in, con- in conceiving, in, in childbirth. It was going to cost them both. And that before, it seems as though there was such a perfect harmony between Adam and Eve. There wasn't a, necess- uh, a need for a head and... And, uh, and, you know, we wouldn't call ourselves the tail. But at any rate, somebody that that had like a, a ruling position, okay, they it's like they were fully cooperative. I don't see them arguing at all about anything or misunderstanding one another or anything else like that. 
But as a result of the fall, they were going to enter into all of mankind some things that are going to have to be addressed. And one of those things was going to have to be, in order for two people to live together in unity, there was going to have to be some point where things could be decided. And I said, that's me, but it makes sense to me. (laughs) And it changed their relation to one another because their relation to God was different. And it affects everything else. The independence is wrong Mm -hmm. from this this perspective. They were made, they became, when they sinned, they became, so to speak, independent. And that's what creates all the warfare and hostility and so forth. That's what creates it, but people think of themselves. Mm -hmm. Amen. So that isn't how Adam was created and he was created. Now, I might be jumping ahead of myself here on this, but you can see why the wrongness. It, people go, oh, they, you know, they ate of the fruit that was forbidden. That's not a really big infraction. But whenever you see the responsibility that was, was built into the blessing of being made in the image of God, it was a severe transgression to take what God had made in his own image and to corrupt it. Now that that is wrong and all of our ills are proceeding from that. God couldn't work in them anymore. Not in that condition. I mean, that he could do things with them and for them, but that unity, they were dead. In the day they ate, they died. Now what communion? does life and death have none so in the day that they ate they did they died it took adam at least 930 years for his body to catch up to that but we see it, if you can point out any person ever that hasn't that lived that hasn't died or is in the process of dying then we can put the lie to this but all have died. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, think uh, Adam lived 930 years. And think how little we know about Ad, about the experiences of Adam. Now, it's not true of any other person. Every other person mentioned in Scripture, you know some details about that you don't, you don't know a single thing other than he begat children. That's all you know. Mm-hmm. You know that his oldest son was the first murderer. Yeah. But we don't know what the what, yeah. like no biography or anything like that in the scripture about him. It's just it's just an interesting thing to teach to show us that a person's individual life isn't that significant before God. If God's not in the thing, it's not that significant. Yeah, and the things that, that are recorded in scripture are are there to highlight how God has worked. That's right. And what and to to demonstrate his faithfulness in all of his words so that we can confidently rely on it also and know. Yeah. Yeah, Adam wasn't inherently, didn't have something inherently in him that led to his decision to... No, he was good. He was was good, very good. When God was done, he says, very good. Mm -hmm. So we close chapter one with God's completing his entire work and it's very good. He's pleased with it. 
Adam had everything he needed to do exactly what God told him to do. Mm-hmm. Though all the way up to the time when Adam consented to something that he knew he shouldn't do. Mm-hmm. Then we see this, 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 um, well, then it, 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 he sinned. Mm-hmm. He sinned, then he died. And so, and then immediately they knew they were naked. Mm-hmm. So this is, you know, this was, he had an immediate report that what he had done was of such a severe nature that he was afraid of God. Mm-hmm. Now that's, that's, and we all know that this, if you're sensitive to God, which Adam was, he was sensitive yes, to God. God showed up, he named the animals, he, he, he was very sensitive. And we all know that when you walk with Christ and you're sensitive to God, as soon as you know you've sinned, this, this is, this, there's a tendency to draw back. It, it's like, I, but see, in, in Christ, we've been, tr- we've been taught, we've been shown that if, if, if any man sin, we, we, we have an advocate. You see, he didn't have that. Mm-hmm. He didn't have this. This was the beginning. This was when God was just revealing. But there wasn't, you know. I God hadn't this. made that provision yet. First, it exactly. had to be established exactly. that there was a need for the provision. And, and so this, this imagery... You know, it, 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 God, he made him in his image. He really was created. We really are, even though we're fallen by nature, I mean, by, by Adam's fall, by uh, that transgression, we are fallen. At, there's still an element of the nature of God. Otherwise, he couldn't retrieve us. There's something there's, redeemable. there. Mm-hmm. And so even though it's flawed, now it's flawed. It wasn't flawed in him. I mean, he, he, he didn't have any flaws until he sinned. Then right. he had all the flaws that you could ever have. I mean, he was alienated from the life that was in God. That's pretty big. Mm-hmm. And so for it doesn't surprise us then that the first, the next thing we see is Cain killing his brother. See, that's not a surprise when you know what sin does. Mm-hmm. And, and, of course, Adam, he was seeing the effects of his decision. And, and we all have lived through the effects of our decisions. So see how, see how God made it. it we're, we're, we can understand Adam now because... The same things, to, to some extent, have happened in us. Before we came to God, before we accept, accepted it and were made new, we tasted of the same, the same disappointment, the same frustration of Adam's sin. So now when you bring this up, see, it's like we know what it's like to be to live in a fallen condition. But, but see, well, that, Christ, yeah. he says, okay, Christ says he's going to make you in his own image, right? We're being transformed into the image of We're Christ. going to get to that. Yeah. I'll let you get there. <laughs> Just come up here and teach this thing, Brother Robert. <laughs> oh, we're, we're, we're kind of coming through this uh, in, a, in a kind of a linear fashion. And then whenever we get to the end, we're, we're going to see a lot of the things that, uh, that you're saying here. Now, I do want to go back and go through one, one thing that Adam was, um, was innocent. Uh, he's the only, he and Eve are the only two humans that have ever lived that have lived in a state of innocence before God. When we were born into the world, uh, David said, in sin... My mother conceived me. In other words, from the very inception of life, that nature was present. It hadn't expressed itself yet, but it was it was there. And we know that's the fact because all have sinned. As soon as they're old enough to be able to express it, 
something pops up that is sin that we commit. And for different people, it's different things. But sin's pretty wide and pretty big, pretty comprehensive. It's just a, uh, it, it's a uh, symptom of our condition. Now, we're, we're going to talk about learning our need. Throughout the history of the earth, in every generation, the effects of our separation from God have, have and are demonstrated. We have, uh, we just mentioned Cain. We, here's some of the things. It's not an exhaustive list. It's too depressing. We have murder by Cain. Polygamy by Lamech, who took two wives. We have evil imaginations, wicked thoughts of the heart continually. That's there in the uh, sixth chapter of Genesis. Violence and corruption. Uh, and just a note, a note on that, that word <coughs> corruption. Corruption means a change from something that was once good and, um, and pure and useful to something that's putrefying, yeah. something that is, um, it, it, it falsifies. When, like you, when you corrupt the truth, you falsify it. When man became corrupt, he yeah. falsified the truth that he was supposed to show about the Lord. He, he was not a true image. There, there still was, he was still mankind. There's something there, but it was marred. It, that's what I mean by corruption. It didn't get erased completely. It's just, it wasn't right anymore. It wasn't true anymore. Right. It had to be corrected somehow in order to, to be received by God. All right. Um, then uh, pride, we see that in the Tower of Babel. We're going to build a tower unto heaven and make a name for ourselves so that we're not separated or, or scattered. Unnatural affection, we see that in Sodom and Gomorrah. Idolatry, Genesis 31.30, uh, may not seem like a, lo a lot, but remember whenever Rachel so stole her father's gods. Yeah, that's right. You know, and that, it, was, it was serious to him. He wanted his gods back. He had to go save his gods. And then you have fornication. Um, the, the way back whenever uh, Shechem, I think it was, saw Dinah, the daughter of Leah, and then lying and deceit. Mm -hmm. And for that, we can see uh, Joseph, uh, uh, Potiphar's wife, how she plotted against Joseph mm -hmm. because of her bitterness and made up a story and lied got him sent to prison no remorse I often wondered what she thought if she was still alive whenever he came to power whether she worried about like his brothers his brothers worried about was he going to wreak some retribution on them well I imagine there were a few people that thought he could have if he wanted to so we're learning our need there by the things that, that happen and the things that are done in people before the fall, Adam would have not done any of those things. That's right. And if he had begotten children before the fall, 
They wouldn't have done any of those things. But we're seeing the motions of death as they're worked out in the the present existence of humanity. You're talking that I thought it occurred to me that I don't doubt that every sin, there's some person in Scripture that 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 particular sin was found in that particular person. That's what they're doing here. They hit it surfaced in a particular individual. Everybody had the tendency, but it surfaced in a particular individual. Yeah, and I'd, I I intentionally went to Genesis for these things because we're going. We see that this didn't have to be happening like for thousands of years before this these things started showing that's themselves. Right, that's right. Death will work. It'll work things in us. So then, as far as uh, defining or man, I don't know that man knew. By these things, he would learn that he wasn't perfect. He wasn't right. Uh That there was sorrow. Mm -hmm. There was hurt. There were those type of things that were present and that he had a problem. Yeah. But now we need to define the problem. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So God made a people for himself Amen. through Abraham, mm-hmm. called them out, and the descendants of Abraham began, began a new chapter yeah. so far as yeah. uh, mankind was concerned. He established himself as preeminent over yeah. all that is called God uh-huh. to them and before the world whenever he judged the gods of Egypt. Now, logically, these should have been the most powerful gods because they were the gods of the most powerful nation, right? You judge a nation's power by the power of their god to exalt them and to keep them. There were people in Scripture that brought up their gods to Mm -hmm. account for their military expertise. They account for yeah. back to their gods. Yeah, the Philistines. Well, he's the god of the mountains. We'll fight them in the valley. Well, he's the god of the valley. We'll fight them up somewhere else. Yeah, they did. They People called upon the name of these false gods. And, and they... Uh, so whenever God judged Egypt, he, he could have just brought Israel out. But he went through, you'll, you'll find, in fact, Scripture says categorically he judged the gods of Egypt in, uh, before the Exodus. But he went through, and every single imagined deity that they had, that they would call upon, was laid low by the power of the God of Israel. There was nothing left for them to call upon for power or for, for deliverance. That's right. They he he completely destroyed them, mm-hmm. but now did that stop Pharaoh? It made him pause. But then when they looked around and they said, you know, like we just let our workforce go. We got to go get them back. Jerry, you point out the plagues God said it was he was judging the gods of Egypt. Right, that's right. Probably each plague probably judged. That's what I'm saying. He went through, yeah. and all of their their major gods that that yeah. they had, you know, uh, the darkness that was Ra, who was the the sun god, and 
the, the frogs, they had a frog god that was supposed to be over um, the, the birth of children and stuff. And you can go through it uh, and, and you can see the correlation there, which makes me wonder. It's one thing to know history, but to have a fascination with false gods, I don't care if it's Wooten or whether it's raw. It's one thing to know that there are people who worship them and be acquainted with stuff, but to have a fascination with them, to be drawn to. Some people know more about these false gods. Greek mythology. In school, you'll learn Greek mythology, but you won't learn sacred history. People can tell you all about, and, and the Roman gods, they're just like, a lot of them are just mirrors of the Greek gods. They just changed their name. They did basically the same thing, supposedly. But you, they can tell you the ins and outs of that, what they did, what, they, what they're supposed to do, what people counted on for. And then you talk about the Lord and they, the crickets. This is a shame. This is a shame. In fact, in one place in Scripture, it was said not to even take their name up into your mouth. They were they were thought of as real, and they you weren't. It was a sh you, you just didn't want to even defile your mouth with their name in it. Alfred, I remember over the years the interesting phenomenon that uh, these foreign continents and nations they have other gods. They'll tell you which god. Oh, they tell you which God they worship, mm -hmm. but they don't say that about Christians. Yeah, it's just very interesting. They don't think about which their, one. Their God, yeah. Yeah, it is interesting. Then God gave to this people that He had delivered. Now we want to. See the, the Exodus is a, a very vivid uh, representation of the things that God has done in Christ. Yeah, amen. The, the, Satan is the God of this world. He has been overcome. Everything that men would worship apart from God, Christ has overcome. Amen. All of the gods have amen. been judged. He remains the only one true God and the only one that can deliver us out of the bondage of these others. And those that serve them. Now, it's true that this bondage is a bondage to another God. Yes. Right? In this case, it's Satan. That's right. But it's a See, people don't think about it. People they talk about addiction and things like this, but people don't know that they're actually in bondage to another God. Yes, yeah. 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 You you have to get up fairly high to be able to see things like that. All right. Now, through Moses, first there was given deliverance, and then he defined what sin was. He Moses gave Israel the law. The law is like a moral picture of God. When it says, thou shalt not bear false witness, God's saying, I'm not a liar. I don't lie. When he says, thou shalt not kill. Now, God has the power of life and death because he created it. He owns it. It's his. But he's not a murderer. 
God doesn't delight in the death of the wicked. He's God is that heart because murder, killing, he's talking about here, murder. Guilt, uh, that type of killing is born of hatred and malice and and uh, self-serving. Like that person's in the way. If they're, a, I'll, I'll get the promotion if they're not there to get it first. You know, whatever perceived advantage that somebody else is in your way, uh, those type of things. Th- none of that exists in God. None of it. He's forward to do good to mankind. When we were dead in trespasses and sins, he sent his son so that we might have life and not just life, eternal life, life more abundantly in every respect. So this is what God is like. Whenever he said that you you shall uh, worship the Lord your God, have no other gods before him. This is right. He's not taking somebody else's place. He is God. That is his place. It's right for him to say that. It's right for him to declare who he is. All You can go down all of the commandments. And if you see them rightly, you will see it's a, it's a vaguer image than what we have now. But you will see this moral image of God. And you will see that you're not exactly like him on your own. The law was a schoolmaster. It was defining things for us so we could recognize, okay, we have a need. This is what the need is. We need righteousness. We need acceptance with God. We need forgiveness of sin. We need hope. That's what the law taught us. Couldn't give it to us. But it taught us that's what we need and to look for it. Now, in that Galatians 3 and 24 is where it says specifically that the law was our schoolmaster to bring us to Christ. Now, this was a standard by which honest hearts could assess their need. A dishonest heart won't do that. A dishonest heart will just say, oh, Who can do these things? Who can receive this? I just might as well go on about my way. At least I can can be happy here for a while and deny it. But an honest heart will wrestle with this until they get an answer for it. You see, the holy men of the past, their lives were in reference to God, and they had this, this hope that God was going to deliver them and keep them, that they were his, even though they didn't have the, um, the actual fulfillment of it at that point. Now, let's look at some of the judgments, because these are, these are examples of deliverances where God is going to show us the kind of power he has to deliver us from everything. There was the flood. God is able to cleanse the earth. He did it. And he preserved his own in doing it. He destroyed the world that then was with water. But the ones that found grace, Noah and his family, in the sight of the Lord, particularly Noah, 
they participated in that. Uh, his sons and, and his wife and his son's wives, they were all saved, though the whole world perished. Now, if the whole world perishes with fire and isn't even here anymore, God is able to save us. They'll not any of us perish in that if we're in Christ. This is a work of Christ. This is Christ's power to save over odds that look insurmountable. God made provision. And uh, the ark has been likened to a, a type of Christ. The ones in the ark are the ones that were saved. And so as we are in Christ, no matter what judgments come upon the earth, we will be saved. And God has power to do that. Then we, And that's a global judgment. These judgments are on different levels, too. That's a global judgment. Then there was Babel. That's a regional judgment. And whenever, if all men gainsay, if all men were to uh, rest on their own devices to get to heaven, it'll not profit them. It will be judged. Jesus is the judge of everyone, and he'll make a righteous judgment. So we can hope in that because nothing's going to slip by him. He's not going to overlook us. We're not going to get caught up in a a crowd with the wicked and get ushered off in the wrong place. Every single person is going to give an account. Now, they were judged for their words and their deeds. We're going to stand before the judge and give an account of our words and deeds. They were given confusion. That's what a multiplicity of language is. You've got to work hard to learn how to communicate with some people because your language is not the same. Yeah. Yeah. As, but in, in, again, in Christ, we've been given to speak one language That's to one right. another, the language of faith. And so, then Sodom and Gomorrah, and we're seeing here too, that on every level, God is, is there to, to uh, correct, to condemn, to save out of, to put the wicked away, redeem his own. Sodom and Gomorrah, those are local. That's a local judgment. The, Lot and his daughters and his wife were actually extracted from Sodom by heavenly messengers. And one of the five cities of the plains was actually, uh, they got a reprieve from the judgment because that's as far as Lot and his family could get before the destruction came down. You see the mercy of God in that also. You see God's ear being open to the prayers of Abraham. You see God telling beforehand what he's going to do. He'll he'll not do anything unless he tells his prophets first. Well, he told them what was going to come, and he preserved them out of that. Then you have uh, the foot of Sinai. Now, this was a judgment within the house of the Lord, so to speak. Whenever Moses came down from the mount and saw the children of Israel behaving licentiously and calling the calf their God, 
You know, these be our gods, O Israel. These are the gods that delivered us. Well, that's whenever Moses said, every man gird on his sword. Every man kill his brother and his friend and his his family, you know, that have gone against the Lord. And that's whenever, that was the, the means by which uh, Levi, the, tr- the uh, tribe of Levi was sanctified as a tithe, a living tithe unto the Lord. But it was the tribe of Re- Levi that stood up and was zealous for the righteousness of God. So <clears throat> that... Don't think that God won't judge his own quite severely. Says we see both the severity and the righteousness or the the mercy of the Lord in these things. The desert wandering, he tried the people. Would they trust him? And after 10 times of grumbling, he finally said, that's it. You have you have tested me ten times, and he had been cut. They threatened to kill Moses and Aaron. They were going to stone them with stones. There was rebellion. These things cropped up, and God said, "You're not going to get in." Why are these things in there? What what are we learning about God in these things? We're learning that God. God is God. He's perfectly God. He's he's completely God. He's always God. He doesn't change. And he is not going to receive to himself. See, this is this is the thing. God is in salvation is receiving us to himself. God is not going to do that with corruption. He is not going to take corruption into himself. He can't. He can't deny himself. He has to make us like him in order for that union to take place. Because he's not changing. We have a a personal testing here. The uh, three Hebrew children and Daniel in the lion's den. They were faithful to God and God was faithful to them. But he made them... He raised them up to demonstrate something because it was impossible for Daniel to survive the lion's den. How do we know that? Because just the next day after they took him out or that evening, they threw the families and the men that tried to entrap him. And it said that the lions grabbed them before they ever even hit the ground. It's like they jumped up in midair and got them. Those lions were hungry. The uh, furnace, it was hot. How do we know? Well, fire is hot anyway. But the men that were assigned to throw the three Hebrew children into the fire, the heat actually killed them. They didn't even get in the furnace. Just the heat coming from the furnace got them. So it was... There was no chance of survival. So God showed these impossible circumstances to show that there isn't anything impossible with him. And that when Jesus overcomes something, it does. I love the. I've always loved the response of the three Hebrew children. We're not careful to answer the O'Keefe. 
We're not going to mince our words. We're not going to soft coat this. We're going to tell you the truth as it is. God is able to deliver us. But if he doesn't, he still is going to deliver us from you. So they saw something past the furnace. Uh, The furnace wasn't the end of their reasoning. And then you have the swollen Jordan. It was impossible to pass. And you have all these people and animals and belongings and children in this Jordan. And what did he do? He had the priest bear the ark and walk out into the Jordan. And as soon as their feet were in the Jordan, the water stopped. Yeah. Not at the head, because it kept swelling up above them. Waters kept coming here, but he put a boundary there that the waters couldn't pass. Now that is impossible, brethren. But nothing is impossible with God. Amen. Now, uh, we're gonna we're gonna jump ahead here for sake of time. In Christ, all these things are comprehended. If you just read through the scriptures, and all you did was read these these accounts. What would you do with them? If there was no reference to Christ or God who has an eternal purpose or a work that God is doing in the earth, what would any of these things mean to you? It would just be another creation story, Adam and Eve, right up there with with the Egyptian and the Babylonian and the Aztec, and all of their creation stories. It's just a, just a different spin on the same thing. You wouldn't have anything to do with it. You'd have no nothing to ground yourself in. And these other judgments that we talked about, like if God, if, if there's nothing about God in it, so what? Even if it happened for real, if you're, if you're a person that's a doubter, Even if you were were to assent that, yeah, well, maybe that happened. What is that to me? But it's because of Christ. Christ puts everything together. Everything. That's where we really start to understand. One, because in salvation, we've been given the mind of Christ so we can fellowship with him in the truth of these things. And also by faith, we we can discern the working of God in these things. We can see God's righteousness. We can see his holiness. We can see his faithfulness, his mercy, what he condemns, that he's his truth. All of these start, things start coming together and they reach their apex in Christ. Now, <clears throat> we know because of these things that we've been schooled to think of God in a certain way by these things that if we come to Jesus there's nothing then could prevent him from delivering us and saving us he is the only savior Amen. so I want to just uh, finish here with three scriptures, or four scriptures, Romans 12, 1 and 2, one that is extremely uh, 
familiar to us. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. Now, see what, what that phrase, by the mercies of God, what do you think about when you hear that? You've got things to think about because of what was written. You've, we've seen God's mercy. And so we can understand the continuing mercy and the increased mercy. In thy light we see light. I beseech you by the mercies of God that ye present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that ye may prove... That means you're going to, it's going to be shown to be true in you. Prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. We know that God has a will and that it is a perfect will and that we have to be transformed in order to enter into that. Second Corinthians chapter five verses 14 and 15. I tell you what, whenever you think about these things like this and, and think about man in the image of God and our responsibility to be like God, although we can't do it in our own selves apart from God, we were never designed to, to be apart from God. Everything goes wrong whenever, when we depart from God. Everything gets right when, we, when God is in his proper place. If you had a mirror and it wouldn't reflect, what good is it? The image, the point of the image is the thing being imaged. God is the point. We are the image. So uh, 2 Corinthians 5 <clears throat> Verses uh, 14 and 15. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge that if one died for all, then were all dead. And that he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So we judge this if we have proper judgment. That we were dead. Yes. And Christ died for all. Amen. Well, did he die in vain at anything? No. If anybody didn't need to have been redeemed, he wouldn't have died for them. Yeah. He's not going to do more or less than what's necessary. What was necessary is he died for all. And then Ephesians 1 what I was going to say before is whenever you have these things in your mind concerning uh, what man was created for, the Romans reads a little bit brighter. Whenever he starts reasoning between Romans and in the Corinthians, it just is like, well, yeah, why didn't I know this before? Or this is this makes better sense. It made sense, but it makes better sense now. Uh, <clears throat> Ephesians 1, verses 17 through 23. That the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, 
may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. The eyes of your understanding being enlightened that ye may know what is the hope of his calling and what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. God is giving himself an inheritance. Have you ever thought of yourself as the inheritance of the Lord? Jesus is what he gave. We're what he gets, which is that that we are are partaking of Christ. It's like an enlarging. Children. He gets children. And what is the exceeding greatness of his power to us, Lord, who believe? According, excuse me, to the working of his mighty power. He's demonstrated his power in the earth. And it's just a faint glimmer of the, the exceeding greatness of his power, which he wrought in Christ when he raised him from the dead and set him at his own right hand in heavenly places, far above all principality and power and might and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this world, but also in that which is to come. And hath put all things under his feet and gave him to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him that filleth all in all. We're part of that fullness. He's pulling, he's, he's bringing, just like he created Israel, called them out of the world. He's bringing his people together. He's given us deliverance. And now We're going toward our inheritance. And then finally, Hebrews 1, verses 1 through 3. I know this one by heart, but I'm notorious for uh, not being able to say things publicly by memory. God, who at sundry times and in divers' manners spake in times past unto the fathers by the prophets, hath in these last days spoken unto us by his Son, whom he hath appointed heir of all things, by whom also he made the worlds, who being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person, and upholding all things by the word of his power, when he had by himself purged our sins, sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. Now that's, how much time do we have? None? Okay. Think on these things. <laughs> All right. Thank you, brother. We'll go ahead and dismiss in prayer. Our Holy Father in heaven, we thank you for these considerations. We thank you, Lord, for the for the wisdom by which you have worked with uh, humanity through the ages to bring us to this point to where you would reveal your son. And Father, now that he has come and is, is sit on thy right hand, we pray, Lord, that we would be conformed to that same image according to our measure, to the fullness of our measure. And Father that perhaps you would increase our measure for we would we would always desire to be closer to you to love you more 
to be more foreign and alien to the world and more a child of heaven. Now we thank you and we we thank you for uh, the food that we're about to partake of and we ask your blessings upon those that provided and prepared it. And we ask your blessing upon the remainder of our day in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Yes. Amen.